Chapter forty six of the Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Deborah Lynn. The Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. Chapter forty six records a touching act of delicate feeling, not unmixed with pleasantry, achieved and performed by Messrs. Dodson and Fogg. It was within a week of the close of the month of July that a hackney cabriolet, number unrecorded, was seen to proceed at a rapid pace up Goswell Street. Three people were squeezed into it besides the driver, who sat in his own particular little dicky at the side. Over the apron were hung two shawls belonging to two small vixenish-looking ladies under the apron, between whom, compressed into a very small compass, was stowed away a gentleman of heavy and subdued demeanour, who, whenever he ventured to make an observation, was snapped up short by one of the vixenish ladies before mentioned. Lastly, the two vixenish ladies, and the heavy gentleman, were giving the driver contradictory directions, all tending to the one point, that he should stop at Mrs. Bardell's door, which the heavy gentleman, in direct opposition to and defiance of, the vixenish ladies contended was a green door and not a yellow one. "'Stop at the house with the green door, driver,' said the heavy gentleman. "'Oh, you perverse creeter! exclaimed one of the vixenish ladies. "'Drive to the house with the yellow door, cabman!' Upon this the cabman, who, in a sudden effort to pull up at the house with the green door, had pulled the horse up so high that he nearly pulled him backward into the cabriolet, let the animal's forelegs down to the ground again and paused. "'Now where am I to pull up?' inquired the driver. "'Settle it among yourselves. All I ask is bear.' Here the contest was renewed with increased violence, and the horse, being troubled with a fly on his nose, the cabman humanely employed his leisure in lashing him about on the head on the counter-irritation principle. "'Most votes carries the day,' said one of the vixenish ladies at length, "'the ouse with the yellow door, cabman.' But after the cabriolet had dashed up, in splendid style, to the house with the yellow door, making, as one of the vixenish ladies triumphantly said, actorally more noise than if one had come in one's own carriage, and after the driver had dismounted to assist the ladies in getting out, the small round head of Master Thomas Bardell was thrust out of the one pair window of a house with a red door a few numbers off. "'Aggravatin' thing,' said the vixenish lady last mentioned, darting a withering glance at the heavy gentleman. "'My dear, it's not my fault,' said the gentleman. "'Don't talk to me, you creeter, don't,' retorted the lady. "'The house with the red door, cabman. "'Oh, if ever a woman was troubled with a ruffinly creeter "'that takes a pride and a pleasure in disgracing his wife "'on every possible occasion afore strangers, I am that woman.' "'You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Rattle,' said the other little woman, "'who was no other than Mrs. Cluppins. "'What have I been a-doing of?' asked Mr. Rattle. "'Don't talk to me, don't, you brute, "'for fear I should be provoked to forget my sect and strike you,' said Mrs. Rattle.' While this dialogue was going on, the driver was most ignominiously leading the horse by the bridle up to the house with the red door, which Master Bardell had already opened. Here was a mean and low way of arriving at a friend's house. No dashing up with all the fire and fury of the animal, no jumping down of the driver, no loud knocking at the door, no opening of the apron with a crash at the very last moment for fear of the ladies sitting in a draught, and then the man handing the shawls out afterwards, as if he were a private coachman. The whole edge of the thing had been taken off. It was flatter than walking. "'Well, Tommy,' said Mrs. Cluppins, "'how's your poor dear mother?' 
"'Oh, she's very well,' replied Master Bardell. "'She's in the front parlour all ready. "'I'm ready, too, I am.' Here Master Bardell put his hands in his pockets and jumped off and on the bottom step of the door. "'Is anybody else a-goin', Tommy?' said Mrs. Cluppins, arranging her pelerine. "'Mrs. Saunders is going, she is,' replied Tommy. "'I'm going, too, I am.' "'Drat the boy,' said little Mrs. Cluppins. "'He thinks of nobody but himself. "'Here, Tommy, dear.' "'Well,' said Master Bardell. "'Who else is a-goin', lovey?' said Mrs. Cluppins, in an insinuating manner. "'Oh, Mrs. Rogers is a-goin,' replied Master Bardell, opening his eyes very wide as he delivered the intelligence. "'What? The lady has us taken the lodgings?' ejaculated Mrs. Cluppins. Master Bardell put his hands deeper down into his pockets, and nodded exactly thirty-five times to imply that it was the lady lodger and no other. "'Bless us!' said Mrs. Cluppins. "'It's quite a party.' "'Ah, if you knew what was in the cupboard, you'd say so,' replied Master Bardell. "'What is there, Tommy?' said Mrs. Cluppins coaxingly. "'You'll tell me, Tommy, I know.' "'No, I won't,' replied Master Bardell, shaking his head and applying himself to the bottom step again. "'Drat the child!' muttered Mrs. Cluppins. "'What a provoking little wretch it is! "'Come, Tommy, tell your dear Cluppy.' "'Mother said I wasn't to,' rejoined Master Bardell. "'I'm a-going to have some, I am.' Cheered by this prospect, the precocious boy applied himself to his infantile treadmill with increased vigour. The above examination of a child of tender years took place while Mr. and Mrs. Rattle and the cab-driver were having an altercation concerning the fare, which, terminating at this point in favour of the cabman, Mrs. Rattle came up tottering. "'Lock, Marianne, what's the matter?' said Mrs. Cluppins. "'It's putting me all over in such a tremble, Betsy,' replied Mrs. Rattle. "'Rattle ain't like a man. He leaves everything to me.' This was scarcely fair upon the unfortunate Mr. Rattle, who had been thrust aside by his good lady in the commencement of the dispute, and peremptorily commanded to hold his tongue. He had no opportunity of defending himself, however, for Mrs. Rattle gave unequivocal signs of fainting, which being perceived from the parlour window, Mrs. Bardell, Mrs. Saunders, the lodger, and the lodger's servant, darted precipitately out, and conveyed her into the house, all talking at the same time, and giving utterance to various expressions of pity and condolence, as if she were one of the most suffering mortals on earth. Being conveyed into the front parlour, she was there deposited on a sofa, and the lady from the first floor, running up to the first floor, returned with a bottle of sal volatile, which, holding Mrs. Rattle tight round the neck, she applied in all womanly kindness and pity to her nose, until that lady, with many plunges and struggles, was fain to declare herself decidedly better. "'Ah, poor thing,' said Mrs. Rogers. "'I know what her feelings is too well.' "'Ah, poor thing, so do I,' said Mrs. Saunders. And then all the ladies moaned in unison, and said they knew what it was, and they pitied her from their hearts, they did. Even the lodger's little servant, who was thirteen years old and three feet high, murmured her sympathy. "'But what's been the matter?' said Mrs. Bardell. "'Ah, what has decomposed you, ma'am?' inquired Mrs. Rogers. "'I have been a good deal flurried,' replied Mrs. Rattle, in a reproachful manner. Thereupon the ladies cast indignant glances at Mr. Rattle. "'Why, the fact is,' said that unhappy gentleman, stepping forward, "'when we alighted at this door, a dispute arose, but the driver of the cabrioli, "'a loud scream from his wife at the mention of this word, rendered all further explanation inaudible.' "'You'd better leave us to bring her round, Rattle,' said Mrs. Cluppins. "'She'll never get better as long as you're here.' 
All the ladies concurred in this opinion. So Mr. Rattle was pushed out of the room and requested to give himself an airing in the back yard, which he did for about a quarter of an hour, when Mrs. Bardell announced to him, with a solemn face, that he might come in now, but that he must be very careful how he behaved towards his wife. She knew he didn't mean to be unkind, but Mary Ann was very far from strong, and if he didn't take care he might lose her when he least expected it, which would be a very dreadful reflection for him afterwards, and so on. All this Mr. Rattle heard with great submission, and presently returned to the parlour in a most lamb-like manner. "'Why, Mrs. Rogers, ma'am,' said Mrs. Bardell, "'you've never been introduced, I declare. Mr. Rattle, ma'am, Mrs. Cleppins, ma'am, Mrs. Rattle, ma'am.' "'Which is Mrs. Cleppins's sister,' suggested Mrs. Saunders. "'Oh, indeed,' said Mrs. Rogers graciously, for she was the lodger, and her servant was in waiting, so she was more gracious than intimate in right of her position.' "'Oh, indeed!' Mrs. Rattle smiled sweetly, Mr. Rattle bowed, and Mrs. Cleppins said she was sure she was very happy to have an opportunity of being known to a lady which she had heard so much in favour of as Mrs. Rogers, a compliment which the last-named lady acknowledged with graceful condescension. "'Well, Mr. Rattle,' said Mrs. Bardell, "'I'm sure you ought to feel very much honoured at you and Tommy being the only gentleman to escort so many ladies all the way to the Spaniards at Hampstead.' "'Don't you think he ought, Mrs. Rogers, ma'am?' "'Oh, certainly, ma'am,' replied Mrs. Rogers, after whom all the other ladies responded, "'Oh, certainly.' "'Of course I feel it, ma'am,' said Mr. Rattle, rubbing his hands, and evincing a slight tendency to brighten up a little. "'Indeed, to tell you the truth, I said, as we was a-coming along in the cabrioli, at the recapitulation of the word which awakened so many painful recollections, Mrs. Rattle applied her handkerchief to her eyes again, and uttered a half-suppressed scream, so that Mrs. Bardell frowned upon Mr. Rattle to intimate that he had better not say anything more, and desired Mrs. Rogers's servant, with an air, to put the wine on. This was the signal for displaying the hidden treasures of the closet, which comprised sundry plates of oranges and biscuits, and a bottle of old crusted port. That, at one and nine, with another of the celebrated East India sherry at fourteen pence, which were all produced in honour of the lodger, and afforded unlimited satisfaction to everybody. After great consternation had been excited in the mind of Mrs. Cluppins by an attempt on the part of Tommy to recount how he had been cross-examined regarding the cupboard then in action, which was fortunately nipped in the bud by his imbibing half a glass of the old crusted the wrong way, and thereby endangering his life for some seconds, the party walked forth in quest of a Hampstead stage, this was soon found, and in a couple of hours they all arrived safely in the Spaniard's tea-gardens, where the luckless Mr. Rattle's very first act nearly occasioned his good lady a relapse, it being neither more nor less than to order tea for seven, whereas, as the ladies one and all remarked, what could have been easier than for Tommy to have drank out of anybody's cup, or everybody's, if that was all, when the waiter wasn't looking, which would have saved one head of tea, and the tea just as good. However, there was no help for it, and the tea-tray came with seven cups and saucers, and bread and butter on the same scale. Mrs. Bardell was unanimously voted into the chair, and Mrs. Rogers being stationed on her right hand, and Mrs. Rattle on her left, the meal proceeded with great merriment and success. "'How sweet the country is, to be sure,' sighed Mrs. Rogers. "'I almost wish I lived in it always.' "'Oh, you wouldn't like that, ma'am,' replied Mrs. Bardell, rather hastily. 
for it was not at all advisable with reference to the lodgings to encourage such notions you wouldn't like it ma'am oh i should think you was a deal too lively and sought after to be content with the country ma'am said little mrs cluppins perhaps i am ma'am perhaps i am sighed the first-floor lodger for lone people as have got nobody to care for them or take care of them or as have been heard in their mind or that kind of thing observed mr rattle plucking up a little cheerfulness and looking round the country is all very well the country for a wounded spirit they say now of all things in the world that the unfortunate man could have said any would have been preferable to this of course mrs bardell burst into tears and requested to be led from the table instantly upon which the affectionate child began to cry too most dismally would anybody believe ma'am exclaimed mrs rattle turning fiercely to the first-floor lodger that a woman could be married to such a unmanly creetur which can tamper with a woman's feelings as he does every hour in the day ma'am my dear remonstrated mr rattle i didn't mean anything my dear you didn't mean repeated mrs rattle with great scorn and contempt go away i can't bear the sight in you you brute you must not flurry yourself mary ann interposed mrs cluppins you really must consider yourself my dear which you never do now go away rattle there's a good soul or you'll only aggravate her you had better take your tea by yourself sir indeed said mrs rogers again applying the smelling bottle mrs saunders who according to custom was very busy with the bread and butter expressed the same opinion and mr rattle quietly retired after this there was a great hoisting up of master bardell who was rather a large size for hugging into his mother's arms in which operation he got his boots and the tea-board and occasioned some confusion among the cups and saucers but that description of fainting fits which is contagious among ladies seldom lasts long so when he had been well kissed and a little cried over mrs bardell recovered set him down again wondering how she could have been so foolish and poured out some more tea it was at this moment that the sound of approaching wheels was heard and that the ladies looking up saw a hackney-coach stop at the garden gate more company said mrs saunders it's a gentleman said mrs rattle well if it ain't mr jackson the young man from dodson and foggs cried mrs bardell why gracious surely mr pickwick can't have paid the damages or hoffered marriage said mrs cluppins dear me how slow the gentleman is exclaimed mrs rogers why doesn't he make haste as the lady spoke these words mr jackson turned from the coach where he had been addressing some observations to a shabby man in black leggings who had just emerged from the vehicle with a thick ash stick in his hand and made his way to the place where the ladies were seated winding his hair round the brim of his hat as he came along is anything the matter has anything taken place mr jackson said mrs bardell eagerly nothing whatever ma'am replied mr jackson howdy do ladies i have to ask pardon ladies for intruding but the law ladies the law with this apology mr jackson smiled made a comprehensive bow and gave his hair another wind mrs rogers whispered mrs rattle that he was really an elegant young man i called in goswell street resumed mr jackson and hearing that you were here from the slavey took a coach and came on our people want you down in the city directly mrs bardell lor ejaculated that lady starting at the sudden nature of the communication yes said mr jackson biting his lip it's very important and pressing business which can't be postponed on any account indeed dodson expressly said so to me and so did fogg i've kept the coach on purpose for you to go back in how very strange exclaimed mrs bardell 
the ladies agreed that it was very strange but were unanimously of opinion that it must be very important or dodson and fogg would never have sent and further that the business being urgent she ought to repair to dodson and fogg's without any delay there was a certain degree of pride and importance about being wanted by one's lawyers in such a monstrous hurry that was by no means displeasing to mrs bardell especially as it might be reasonably supposed to enhance her consequence in the eyes of the first-floor lodger she simpered a little affected extreme vexation and hesitation and at last arrived at the conclusion that she supposed she must go but won't you refresh yourself after your walk mr jackson said mrs bardell persuasively why really there ain't much time to lose replied jackson and i've got a friend here he continued looking towards the man with the ash stick oh ask your friend to come here sir said mrs bardell pray ask your friend here sir why thank ye i'd rather not said mr jackson with some embarrassment of manner he's not much used to ladies society and it makes him bashful if you'll order the waiter to deliver him anything short he won't drink it off at once won't he only try him mr jackson's fingers wandered playfully round his nose at this portion of his discourse to warn his hearers that he was speaking ironically the waiter was at once dispatched to the bashful gentleman and the bashful gentleman took something mr jackson also took something and the ladies took something for hospitality's sake mr jackson then said he was afraid it was time to go upon which mrs saunders mrs cluppins and tommy who it was arranged should accompany mrs bardell leaving the others to mr rattle's protection got into the coach isaac said jackson as mrs bardell prepared to get in looking up at the man with the ash stick who was seated on the box smoking a cigar well this is mrs bardell oh i knowed that long ago said the man mrs bardell got in mr jackson got in after her and away they drove mrs bardell could not help ruminating on what mr jackson's friend had said shrewd creatures those lawyers lord bless us how they find people out sad thing about these costs of our people's ain't it said jackson when mrs cluppins and mrs saunders had fallen asleep your bill of costs i mean i'm very sorry they can't get them replied mrs bardell but if you law gentlemen do these things on speculation why you must get a loss now and then you know you gave them a cognovit for the amount of your costs after the trial i'm told said jackson yes just as a matter of form replied mrs bardell certainly replied jackson dryly quite a matter of form quite on they drove and mrs bardell fell asleep she was awakened after some time by the stopping of the coach bless us said the lady are we at freeman's court we're not going quite so far replied jackson have the goodness to step out mrs bardell not yet thoroughly awake complied it was a curious place a large wall with a gate in the middle and a gas-light burning inside now ladies cried the man with the ash stick looking into the coach and shaking mrs saunders to wake her come rousing her friend mrs saunders alighted mrs bardell leaning on jackson's arm and leading tommy by the hand had already entered the porch they followed the room they turned into was even more odd-looking than the porch such a number of men standing about and they stared so what place is this inquired mrs bardell pausing only one of our public offices replied jackson hurrying her through a door and looking round to see that the other women were following look sharp isaac safe and sound replied the man with the ash stick the door swung heavily after them and they descended a small flight of steps 
"'Here we are at last, all right and tight, Mrs. Bardell,' said Jackson, looking exultingly round. "'What do you mean?' said Mrs. Bardell, with a palpitating heart. "'Just this,' replied Jackson, drawing her a little on one side. "'Don't be frightened, Mrs. Bardell. "'There never was a more delicate man than Dodson, ma'am, or a more humane man than Fogg. "'It was their duty in the way of business to take you in execution for them costs, "'but they were anxious to spare your feelings as much as they could.' "'What a comfort it must be to you to think how it's been done. "'This is the fleet, ma'am. "'Wish you good-night, Mrs. Bardell. "'Good-night, Tommy.' "'As Jackson hurried away in company with the man with the ash stick, "'another man with a key in his hand, who had been looking on, "'led the bewildered female to a second short flight of steps leading to a doorway. "'Mrs. Bardell screamed violently. "'Tommy roared. "'Mrs. Cluppin shrunk within herself, "'and Mrs. Saunders made off without more ado.' For there stood the injured Mr. Pickwick, taking his nightly allowance of air, and beside him leant Samuel Weller, who, seeing Mrs. Bardell, took his hat off with mock reverence, while his master turned indignantly on his heel. "'Don't bother the woman,' said the turnkey to Weller. "'She's just come in.' "'A prisoner?' said Sam, quickly replacing his hat. "'Who's the plaintiffs? What for? Speak up, old feller.' "'Dodson and Fogg,' replied the man. "'Execution on cognovit for costs.' "'Here, Job, Job!' shouted Sam, dashing into the passage. "'Run to Mr. Perkers, Job. I want him directly. I see some good in this. Here's a game. Hooray! Where's the governor?' But there was no reply to these inquiries, for Job had started furiously off the instant he received his commission, and Mrs. Bardell had fainted in real downright earnest. End of chapter 46